welcome to episode 158, 158 of Respawn Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. I am Holden Christopher Adams DePardo, and we've got Chad Michael Innes here with us. Hello, Americans and non-Americans alike. <laughs> and we've got the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from all over the world right now. Every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, put us in your ears with your favorite podcast service. Or put us in your eyes by searching for Respawn Aim Fire now on YouTube. That's right. We've gone into the third dimension with 2D video. And if you want to add the fourth dimension of time, well, you're watching us right here on Twitch right now, aren't you? Twitch.tv slash Affable Idiots. Every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, like we're doing right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Affable Idiots, which we'll tell you about later on in the episode. That's it for the housekeeping, though. We've got an awesome episode lined up for you. We're talking maybe some Series X games that are <gasps> maybe getting announced soon. Animal Crossing sales kicking ass. Lots of praise for the DualSense controller and PS5. And then we're going to answer the question, will Nintendo do subscriptions? But before we get to all of that, we have Game Court, attorney-based strategy for determining game character guilt. Every week, we put your favorite video game characters and villains on trial for the heinous crimes they've committed. Committed. Chad and I will argue for and against the defendant, and it's up to you to decide on Twitter in the following days the fate of said character. This week, our defendant is none other than Steve from Minecraft. <gasps> dun, Before that, dun, the dun. <laughs> Before that, the jury has made a decision on last week's espionage, treason, and murder in the first degree charges against the AI-controlled Marine in Halo. And Chad, the verdict was... 75% of you sided with me against the PP person that the AI <laughs> machine is, uh, is, wait, was I on the defense or the prosecution? I was, uh, I was, I was, they voted he was, he innocent. was innocent. Yeah. So that I was, was with you defense on that one. Oh, yeah. you were defense on that one. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. Damn it. My, my thing didn't work. <laughs> damn it. How dare you all vote for a man who pees on people. <laughs> <laughs> now we know I can pee on people and get away with it, which is really great to finally know. The validation is oh is God. fantastic. Should I put a disclaimer that I don't actually pee on people, just in case people get confused and <laughs> think maybe I actually do do that? <laughs> you actually do do instead? Oh, shit. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I'm like, don't say anything, Holden. Don't just hopefully it passes, <laughs> and then you called it out. Chad, who is... The per, uh, the process of the persecution, the prosecution today, <laughs> as well as the judge. Will the judge like to take us through today's trial? All rise for the honorable judge, Doop Soup. <laughs> it's a video only joke, and it's literally not even funny, but it's going to keep going. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I know, I know it does. This week. Our defendant, as Holden mentioned, is Steve from Minecraft. Now, Steve, he's seen here climbing up a tower that he built himself and making a bunch of cats and dogs, as you can see in the video evidence here on our stream and video right now, making a bunch of cats and dogs teleport to the top of it and fall till their deaths below. Now, dogs in Minecraft do take fall damage, and they do die. Cats, however, are just left to your whimsy of torture. And they just go up and down, up and down, up and down. 
So we are arguing whether or not Steve is guilty of animal cruelty this week. Again, as Holden mentioned, I am the prosecution. The prosecution. Although I kind of yes, like the prosecution. I'm the, you're the I'm I'm the prosecution, <laughs> the prosecution. on this one, arguing against <laughs> Steve, and you are the defense. So, uh, as the honorable judge, what did I call myself? Dupes something. Honorable judge, dupe soup. Dupes. Dupe soup. Uh, calls upon the prosecution. <clears throat> Hello, your honor. <laughs> I am the prosecution, Marianne Anaba. That's nothing to do with Carrie Ann Anaba from Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Marianne Anaba is here to, to argue. I also speak in the third person that you can clearly see from this video that Steve builds this tower. He willingly goes to the very top of it and calls the enemies, to, the, the dogs and cats to it. And you can even see it at the bottom as he relishes in their deaths. You can see him gazing up from below, watching them as they fall. Now, there is no room for wavering or second-guessing or benefit of the doubt in this, as it is a, a clean, clear-cut animal cruelty, killing dogs. That's all I need to say. I rest my case. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've already forgotten. What, oh, Mary Ananaba. Holden, you are up as a defense. Please, your opening remarks. First off. Respecting animals is important, and it's especially important to Steve from Minecraft. This is not a case of animal cruelty. Is there a leash, a lead, or anything that Steve has that is compelling the animals towards him? Or is it their own free will that brought them to a height they shouldn't have been at? And the hurt that Steve from Minecraft himself has over the death of those poor dogs. We all know the cats were fine because they can land on all four feet. But the poor dogs that died from that fall, Steve feels for them as well. He has already donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to animal cruelty charities across the Objection, globe. your honor! I mean, sorry. <laughs> Objection, your honor! Proof! Is there any proof of this? Well, New York Times do you have any proof of many, his many donations? Times. Yes, the New York Times has many articles that support my <laughs> my claims here. <laughs> so Sustained. he did not hurt many animals. Uh, they traveled up on their own will. Case closed. It's very, very clear. There's no leashes or leads or anything that you can see in the video that would show how Steve is calling the animals up. He simply walked up to a height and the animals followed him. Thank you, Holden. Closing remarks from our prosecution, Marianne and Arbor. Yes, thank you, Honorable Judge Doop Soup. Is it not the responsibility of those with consciousness and human morality to make sure that those who are lesser are safe? Although we do not lead our dogs with leashes across the streets of San Francisco, is it not our responsibility to make sure they don't walk into traffic? If I walk across the street and I call my dog to me, or I just watch him as he walks, do I not, am I not responsible when he gets run over by a truck when he breaks the red light rule? The dog knows no better. It is our responsibility, our duty as citizens of the earth to make sure we are protecting those around us who cannot think better for themselves. Steve understood that these, do these dogs and cats were following him. He knew what would happen if he climbed this pipe. And he did it anyway. 
Whether or not he physically was pulling them up there is beside the question. The point is, he's a murderer. I rest my case. Thank you, Mariana Nabba. That's incredibly compelling. I have to admit, I might even just overrule the jury here and say that you win. <laughs> but I'd like to hear from the defense first. <laughs> oh, no. We, I don't have any closing remarks. I get just that, don't I? I get don't to respond. Don't you get an okay, opening and a closing statement? I thought I, I thought we were doing it where it just is like opening statement, rebuttal, and then closing statement, and that was it. That's it for now, everyone. He's given up his right to a closing <laughs> statement. I mean, I, I can say something if you need me to. Have one, I guess one additional thing to, to say is that if you were to cross the street of San Francisco and your dog doesn't have a leash and got hit by a car, you're going to think to yourself, man, I wish I had a leash on him because we all know how important leashes are. That was the dog's fault in that case, which is still tragic, but it's still the dog's fault. <laughs> It's the only the fault of the owner statement. for not putting a leash on a duck. I have to mention it because it's relevant. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's it for Game Court. Go to twitter.com slash respawnamefire. Vote in the poll that's up right now before we record next Sunday to decide whether or not Steve is guilty of animal cruelty. We're on Twitch. So we should specify Tuesday morning, not right this moment. Right. Just say <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> All right. So, actually, I just, you have Final Fantasy VII thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts there. Oh, this is playtime. Great segue. This is playtime. Chad, tell us about Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> You're playing on hard mode. Killer segue. Yeah. Killer. You are now <laughs> podcasting with someone who has the platinum trophy for Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, thank you. Woo. Thank you. You may all it kiss was my ring. It was it was <laughs> tough. Holden, beating the game on hard was difficult. I had told you, I don't you remember whether don't I've said it on the it. podcast or not, but like the moment-to-moment battles were easier because I had the materia and strategy. I knew what was coming. I knew who I was fighting and their weaknesses. But the boss battles were harder because you're not allowed to use items. So managing your MP, not only during the battle... But leading up to the battle, because benches don't restore MP, it was often very challenging. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's too much. It's it was it was so fun though, because the combat's amazing to to face those challenges head on. There were so many boss battles. I'd say maybe like 75-80% of the boss <laughs> battles that I accidentally won. Like at the very last minute, zero MP left with people, two people dead, and someone dies, and their summon is what kills the boss because they died. Or I just happen to get a miracle limit break out of nowhere and that kills the boss. So that was that was hard on its own. And I spent several hours fighting the final chapter 18. Probably like two or three hours doing chapter 18, which is in itself just a fucking mind fuck of a chapter that I love. Um but I spent 40 hours beating the game, 30 hours beating it on hard, and 10 hours cleaning up trophies. And the ten, six of the 10 hours were spent dying on this last trophy. You have to fight every summon back to back, no items, and the hardest summon in the game summons another summon in the middle of the fight. So then you're fighting two summons at the same time before you can even fight the thing that kills that you have to kill to get the trophy. 
and Holden, and I was dying. I was dying over and over and over. By the time I get to the point that where I died all the time, it had been it's like 20, 25 minutes of battling to get to that point just to die and have to go back and do it over again. And it, I literally had given up. I had given you, you up. You sent us a message and posted on Twitter of just like a, a just a just totally dismayed Chad. Yeah. Defeated. I sat here in, in literally I filmed that video on my desk saying I I'm not gonna be able to get this thing and I'm devastated. And and after I filmed that video and sent it, I literally just sat here and stared blankly at my desk for about six minutes. I was so depressed. <laughs> but there's a person called the nanobiologist who writes into kind of funny games daily all the time. And I just happened to notice that he had posted a couple hours earlier on Twitter. He's like, man, the final boss of that trophy was really anticlimactic. And I was like, how did you beat this thing? And he hadn't responded. I posted that video. I had given up. Then he responds. And he gives me a strategy of, of swapping out Aerith for Barret, and then constantly rotating between your characters to build up their ATB gauges and then unleash all your focus, all your focus strikes at once. And it's just like, it made it so that I beat that entire thing on the first try, which was a 45 minute first try. And I also did it without anyone dying once, which was amazing. And I got it and I felt so relieved. Damn. And I am now a fucking <laughs> boss. I love that game so much. You can hear me. I did a, a spoiler episode with the Nerds at Large. They technically, it's a two-part thing. They did their own spoilers for the end, and then they had me brought in for a, a second part that talked more about the rest of the game as well. If you want to go listen to that, go to Nerds at Large on YouTube or podcast services. I think they're on YouTube. I'm like 92% sure they're on YouTube. Um... We had a real good conversation for about an hour and a half. My section that I joined them for was an hour and a half, on top of the hour they already recorded about the ending of the game. Uh, it is a spoiler-heavy episode, and it does have spoilers for the original game as well, if you are someone who doesn't want to be spoiled for that. But it's a great discussion. Uh, yeah, I love this game. It's my game of the year so far. As we mentioned before, though, like it does, it does have its problems. But man, the game, the combat feels so great. The last four to six hours is amazing as fuck and i can't wait for the next game even though it's going to be several years away holden you've you've all but given up on it i see it's not even on your playtime this week yeah i didn't play it at all this week uh i haven't given up on it i i do want to play it again i guess that for me and i realized this with playing final fantasy 10 and playing this game is that final fantasy games in the story have an unbelievable amount of fluff and just like Things that don't, to me, feel entirely relevant to the story. And I don't think I care about the characters enough. Not just in Final Fantasy VII specifically, but just like the JRPG characters have a very distinct cartoonishness. And I think, this might be controversial here, but a, uh, a shallowness that doesn't really appeal to me. <laughs> the characters aren't extremely deep. Or maybe I just haven't played enough of a Final Fantasy where, game. Where are you in the game again? I, I You basically watched... The last time I played the game was fighting against Hell House with you. That's that's where you stopped? It was Hell House? Yeah. 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 I mean, you haven't really gotten to like the, the, the... Chapter 4 and all the stuff with Jesse is a lot more backstory and like makes you care about her character in a way that you didn't in the original and... There's a, there's a lot more that like fleshes out these characters and lets you believe them and all this kind of stuff. But some of, a lot of that does happen in chapter twelve. You're at the end of chapter nine right now. Okay. But 
Yeah, you should definitely keep playing. I'll get there. If if I'll not for the ending of this game and for the combat alone, like all of the boss battles. The combat. Like Dallas texted us the other day and he's like, man, this boss battle is awesome. But I feel like I say that about every single boss battle in this thing. <laughs> the combat is definitely what keeps me going. It's the story and the things between the combat, like the big combat moments that I, I don't really care for all that much. And I do think that the combat is more interesting when you're on main story missions. At least thus far on side quest missions, they're pretty straightforward and like, go here, there's a, a rat, you need to kill the rat. Those fights aren't as interesting to me, um, but every game has you know a, a, a balance like that where you have main missions that are more exciting. Um, I guess I, the question I have for you, though, mm-hmm. is that you've put in an insane amount of time into this, and you can't really answer this hours. question, but what do you think? Do you think your progress is going to carry over to Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two? I don't. I I don't know. It's so weird because you have all the weapons, you have all the materia, you have all the summon. Well, most of the summons. There are still like Knights of the Round Table and Rama and things like that we don't have. But it's like, how do you start another chapter of this game completely powered up and then have still somewhere to grow over the course of another thirty, forty hours? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. And also with it being cross generational. And cross-platform as well. Like, if I played it on Xbox One, but then I want to play the next one on PS5, like, how does that work? So I, I can't imagine that it will, but I don't know how they're going to rectify that story-wise. Yeah, I think that's it's, it's strange for me. Whereas you compare that to Final Fantasy thirteen two, which I haven't played, but I will assume your progress doesn't carry over from thirteen to thirteen two. Right. And 10 to ten two, it does not carry but this, over. It kind of resets there, too. But those are more distinct individual stories, whereas I mean, this is literally a continuation of the same game being remade. You should play the end of this game, so, Holden. <laughs> you should play the end of this well, game. I, can we go to a spoiler for a second? Because like, I never beat Final Fantasy VII. I, I, like, looking back, I'm pretty sure if I did play it, and even that I'm uncertain of, honestly. Is this a spoiler for Seven Remake I, or a spoiler I, I, for I did Seven? This, Spoiler for um, 7 Remake. I only got to the Midgar section, and my understanding is that at the end of the Midgar section, spoiler alert for Final Fantasy 7 on PS1, you blow up Midgar at the end of it. There is a meta is to this thing. There is a meta to this game that you don't really understand has been happening the entire time until the end of the game, and you realize that it sets course for something completely different. And especially going back and playing it again... All of these things that, I, that had been happening the entire game, I'm like, oh, fuck. I didn't realize that was happening, and this was Sephiroth doing this. And There is a huge meta that is just right under your nose the is entire time. Is this the time. Dementors? The Dementors have the something like to do with Dementor things? It, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the game eventually. I just think right now I'm so still just so enamored with Animal Crossing. It's, it's like an unhealthy obsession at this point. It's too much. I just need those servers but to I go down for like two weeks. <laughs> Animal Crossing. I play on airplane mode a lot of the time, so that would be damn make it. Difference. How do we kill that game? <laughs> <laughs> I would have a lot of time to play games this year because there's going to be a huge drought. So I will definitely have time to yeah. beat Final Fantasy VII Remake and a lot of other games in my backlog that I want to beat. Um, yeah. We've got my quest or my playtime now. Yeah, go for it. I want to talk about good job quickly. Um, I think I'm going to abandon good job. 
I'm, I totally forgot you I were liked this. The f- I thought that was a typo yeah, good, that you left over from last week. <laughs> so Good Job, people who don't remember, is the a game announced during Nintendo's Indie Showcase, or their Mini Direct. I think it was the Mini Direct, where, yeah, it was definitely the Mini Direct. You basically plays this little worker um, who, it's your dad's company, and he is helping out at his dad's company and basically just causing havoc and wrecking mayhem across each room of his dad's company's headquarters as he works up floor by floor. And I'm on the third floor right now. And the reason I'm done is that at the first floor, there was some kind of fun, like move the projector from one side of the floor to the other side of the floor. But the only way you can do that is by slingshotting it through walls and like causing things to blow up. I'm like, this is awesome. And then the third floor, there was, um, water 240 flowers on this on this in this room mm-hmm. like that was awful it was so bad <laughs> it was so bad I'm like I think I'm done because most of the levels consist of getting an object from one side of a floor or one side of a room to another side of a room and there's all sorts of like barriers and stuff in in the way because it's supposed to mimic like an office building and each floor has a different quote-unquote theme to it where it's like this is the marketing department this is like the reception area and none of them feel different enough that i feel compelled to see what's coming up later on and there's been enough repetition of the kinds of levels that i'm not too enticed the variations have uh, of level types have been the flower watering level like i do that in animal crossing and the benefit of animal crossing is is that those flowers are there forever not some like small level that I never go back to ever again. So it just, it, it doesn't really, I think I'm done with it. Um, it's a fun idea, but I think that it could have had more variety in it. Yeah. So that is a good job. Um, I, of course, I, like I said earlier, I played more Animal Crossing New Horizons. There was an update, though, and so there's some new stuff to talk about. Is it that the you don't get all the is... money you want from your interest? Oh, I don't care about that. Uh, I get so much money from turnips. It's like that's not our problem at all. <laughs> so here's so this is the big update: is that they added a new Leaf Earth Day event. Leaf is a character; she's a sloth. It's like a nature Earth Day event. And then the other uh, part of the update is Red, who is, sells you stolen art, I guess, because he's kind of shady. I'm assuming it's stolen at least, and some of it's fake, and you can donate some of that to, to the museum. Now, I complained very heavily when it was. Uh, confirmed in a data uh, mining leak that Red was coming back. Cause I don't like Red and New Leaf. I just didn't like him. He was frustrating. And this time, they have made the right improvements to make it not annoying for me. The first is that when he gives you a fake painting, you know it's fake because it has something different in it that tells you it's not the original painting. Like, for example, they have the girl pearl earring painting, except she has a star earring instead of the pearl earring. So, like, okay, that's not the real painting. But it's frustrating on the 3DS in the last version because you can't get a good angle because of the kind of fixed camera angles in Animal Crossing of the painting to see how it's different. So it's very difficult to know if you're getting a real or fake painting or not. And it's mailed right. to you, like, the <clears> next <throat> day. You don't even get it immediately. So there's kind of this, like, delay of, like, and it's going to be fake or it's going to be real? And then, like, of course, it's fucking fake every fucking time. <laughs> I hated it. But this time you can get a good close-up of the painting and actually see the painting. So much easier, much, much better to to tell if it's fake or not. So that's good. The other issue I had in New Leaf is that he showed up once a week. Now, I haven't confirmed this for myself yet, but my brother who time travels a lot has 
time traveled and told me that he shows up every day. So that's a good that's that's a relief. We'll put it that way. That's, that's a big relief. Yeah. Now I haven't confirmed that for myself, so that might not be true. This is my brother telling me. Today he didn't show up. But I think <sighs> that's because I'm updating my museum and I couldn't have donated anything he gave me anyway. So I think that's why he wasn't there. Maybe I don't know. What are you adding to your museum? So, artwork. There's oh. a whole like new art like wing and exhibit. It's so awesome. you have to upgrade your museum in order to get the art wing? Yeah, but all you have to do is the requirement is you have to have 60 things donated to your museum and you have to have at least one painting donated already. And once you donate that first painting, then he's like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to close up shop and then we'll remodel. So the red stuff I'm, I'm a fan of. Here's something I'm speculating heavily here that I noticed that has me excited for future Animal Crossing updates. I had speculated in the past that... Hello, Dallas. I had speculated in the past that Nook's Cranny was going to get updated again and maybe one more time after that because it usually gets four upgrades in past Animal Crossing games, but it seems to have maxed out at two. But I'm thinking that there will be like future DLC, kind of like the red update and the leaf update that kind of adds new things to your town. Yeah. I think they're going to add new updates to Nook's Cranny, and here's my logic and reasoning for it. If you look at the first version of the museum, it has a little bit of a lip on the bottom. So there's like the main building, and then it kind of, there's like a little bit of like a lip surrounding the building that's like extra space. And when you expand the museum, that lip goes away. Because it's basically saying like, hey, this museum needs to be seven spaces wide, and the expansion needs to fit that same space, but it needs to look bigger at the same time. So kind of use the lip to like get away with that. Nook's Cranny has the same thing. It has the same exact thing. But they can't change the size of how wide that store takes up. And the reason is that let's say you have your island laid out a specific way and you go to upgrade Nook's Cranny and suddenly it doesn't fit in the certain fenced off area you had it in. That would get kind of frustrating. So it has to stay the same size. So I'm going hard now that there definitely is going to be an update that expands Nook's Cranny. It'll be some sort of like luxury update or something like that. You are... It is like disgusting how closely you pay attention to all of this shit. <laughs> like, who notices a small lip and then the museum doesn't, and then there's also a lip on the Nook's Cranny, but it doesn't fill out the space. It's like, oh my God. And you're doing that instead of Final the- Fantasy VII Remake? Ugh. Well, I just, I didn't like analyze the museum and analyze Nook's Cranny. <laughs> I just like, I just happened to notice it. And when you play Animal Crossing as obsessively as I do, <laughs> uh, you, you notice these things. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, moving on, I have a few more things about Animal Crossing. I want to talk about moving on to the Leaf event. Hey, Dallas noticed it too. See, I'm not crazy. Yeah, You're but crazy. Dallas is also making something <laughs> called Rainbow Juice by mixing juice and milk for his son. Like that's disgusting. <laughs> He's not a good <laughs> really character. Sound wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I gotta call you out here, Chad. Though that you also said you ate peanut butter and cheese sandwiches. So like, okay, peanut butter and on. cheese is good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all y'all can fuck off. <laughs> we all have a weird thing. I have uh, pepperoni and Oreos. That's my weird thing. Oh, That's yeah. I remember delicious. when you made me eat that, and that was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was. It definitely sounds weird, but it's pretty good. So maybe peanut butter and cheese, I should try it out. Yeah, you should try it I out. I have Pepper Jack upstairs, but I think Pepper Jack wouldn't be a good choice. No, don't do Pepper American Jack. Cheese. Don't provolone. You have to do American Craft Singles. 
the white version if you can. Yeah. Dallas is very upset. Danielle. (laughs) Danielle told me that she saw me eat one in second grade, and she's been eating it the rest of her life because she realized how good it was. So y'all can shut the hell up, Mr. Rainbow Juice in the chat. (laughs) So the leaf update for Animal Crossing, that event, going back to Animal (laughs) Crossing, where there are no peanut butter and cheese sandwiches or rainbow (laughs) juice. (laughs) So this event is much better handled than the Bunny Day event and the fishing tournament. This event is very well handled. The reason this one's better is that there's no stupid things populating your town that are obnoxious like eggs and all that kind of stuff. But the additions are like a new uh, Nook Miles Plus incentive that's nature-based. So it's kind of just using the things you're already doing in the game in a way that doesn't take away from other aspects of the game. Like like fishing and getting a stupid egg instead of that like takes away from fishing. And then as Dallas pointed out in the comments, bushes, you can get bushes now. So I've actually bought enough bushes to change you get w all and of HW? the fencing. <laughs> you get both bushes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and Barbara Bush, all the bushes. Jeb is there. Oh, Barbara Bush killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite Family Guy moments. Is when <laughs> Peter just stops Don't and talks to the camera and just goes, remember when Barbara Bush killed a guy <laughs> and they just linger on it <laughs> which is true she ran someone over well i'm going to be replacing all of the brick fencing for my houses with, with uh, shrubs and bushes which is going to be very cool looking good good very so when i went that. i mentioned that the brick walls around every house kind of looks concentration campy so i'm glad that you're doing bushes and stuff that <laughs> looks more like a rich person thing that is that is extreme. It is a lovely town. People love moving there, okay? <laughs> they do. I have they four do. stars now. Moving on to updates from my town. I have four stars now. That's a good town. Concentration camp is a bad town. I mean, the best restaurants only get three stars. So. <laughs> um, so I also maxed out my house. I have the basement now. So I have all the rooms and I'm furnishing nice. them. So that's fun. Do you have a giant hole in your basement where you can put ladies while you make them lotion their skin and then make a suit out of them? (laughs) (laughs) No, did I send you? I think I sent you that like Reddit post. The first was like a murder basement. Did I send you that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they have like the the well in the middle of the basement. It's supposed to look just like uh, Buffalo Bill's basement in uh, Sounds of Lambs. Yep. (laughs) So here's the thing that happened in my town that at first I was happy and then had horrific consequences. There was a villager named Naomi. I wanted to get rid of her, so I ignored her, and finally she came up to me and said, hey, uh, I want to move. And I'm like, yeah, you should go. Just get out of my island. And she left, and I couldn't have been more excited. I couldn't wait to go to a new island, a deserted island, and find a new villager and pick them out. And then all of a sudden, someone named Rodeo just shows up on my island and is living there. And let me tell you, he's satanic. He's a satanic (laughs) Animal Crossing villager. He is... First of all, he's a goat, and his horns protrude horizontally from his head straight, which I think is creepy, but also his red eyes. He's got red eyes and a black cape. He's like a, he's satanic. He's awful. I hate him, and I'm going to ignore him until he leaves. All and right. that's my Animal Crossing update. That's everything that happened in the past week for Animal Crossing. I know, Chad, it was so engaging for you. It was thrilling. Thrilling. <laughs> By the way, I've, I've added uh, um, at Large. I've added their subscriber interrogative to our list. 
Is there we'll a Robert later in the episode? Can't wait to get to that. Can't wait to get to that. Before we get to that, though, we have fetch quests to get to. So I should go into the news now. First one here, there's rumors of a Horizon Zero Dawn trilogy reportedly in works at Gorilla from Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. Chad, would you welcome that? Yes, I would welcome that. Give me more of that. But here's something else that apparently came from that. There's also an online co-op component to the second one. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine a world where you team up with other Aloys or other hunters in general, and you go out and you take down giant monsters like Red Maw and things like that, and there's raids. I would freaking go crazy for raids in a Horizon Zero Dawn against giant robot mech monsters. Makes me so wet. And then I realized, shit, that's what Monster Hunter is, except for they're not robots. And then it made me realize, Monster Hunter's on Game Pass, I'm going to start playing Monster Hunter. And then I'm going to force you all to play it on game night as well. <laughs> so get ready for Monster Hunter next week. Not this not this week because I haven't had time to actually look into it and play it. But next week for game night. I'm gonna make it I actually, I do have a suggestion for game night this week. And timing wise, it needs to be this week. Splatoon Ooh. 2 is having their like a uh, free, you know, anyone can play a free trial this week. Okay, okay. I think for a game, it would be kind of fun, because I've always wanted to do this at game night, now there's an excuse to try it out, but it's this week only. Great, let's do it. timing-wise, for it lines up with game night. Since it's free, I will do it this week, because I'm not going to pay money for Splatoon 2. I did not have a great experience on that Best Buy kiosk. (laughs) End of story. And you played it in my... I did play it in your house, and playing against all those other people was really hard, so maybe playing it against other people that we know suck will probably be easier. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I look forward to it. Speaking of looking forward to it, we have a report for some originally planned E3 2020 news that's going to roll out sooner. That's oh, according shit. to Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. So there's an analyst named Daniel Amant who tweeted, With E3 canceled, a lot of the planned reveals slash announcements have been moved out of that single week. Some are now much earlier, others much later. Some still during E3 week. The first proper next-gen console slash game showcases is much earlier, too. Chat. I'm excited. There, this kind of goes hand in hand with something we'll talk about a little bit later. There's a rumor that there's going to be a huge Xbox <coughs> blowout in May, which is literally next week. Well, May is next week, not necessarily the the, the blowout's going to be next week. But yeah, for all of these things that now th- some things some publishers are going to IGN Summer of Gaming, I think they're calling it, and then yeah. some of them are hosting their own things. Some of them just aren't hosting anything at all. And then it looks like Xbox is is primed and ready to go early in may i can't freaking wait bring on the announcements because i don't get to play anything new right now (laughs) everything that i care about is delayed and i'm ready for some news of things to look forward to because right now i've got like a couple games in september and everything else is just like a black hole yeah that for that last sentence there the first proper next-gen console game showcases much earlier too def now like that we had that Xbox information, which we'll talk about later on, that's definitely referencing that. 100%. Yep. Not referencing 100%. Sony's. Or maybe it Dude, is did referencing Did you get a handjob we'll from see. Sarah Paulson? 100%. What a good show. Mario Maker 2's final... A very good show. American Vandal. Everyone should check it out. Mario Maker 2's final update lets you create your own world map. Thank you, Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. 
This looks awesome. New features include the Koopalings you can add as boss battles now. There are new power-ups, which include, and this is a surprisingly long list, considering how many updates are already on the game, or power-ups already on the game. Frog Suit, Super Acorn, Power Balloon, Boomerang Flower, Cannon Box, Propeller Box, Red Pow Box, Goomba Mask, and Bullet Bill Mask. But that's not even the best feature. The best feature, this next one literally is going to make me play this game in the gaming drought coming up because this sounds incredible. You can make not only your own worlds in Super Mario Maker, but you can make your own series of worlds to have a super world. Basically meaning you can make your own Super Mario game. Yeah, that is eight worlds, so cool. Each with levels in their own and all that kind of shit. And now you can have boss battles with do... Koopalings in it. You can have towers. You have secret passages too. Someone, I guess, found a way to do secret passages. I'm so, so, so excited for this. This, 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 this is, is, I think, what... what stopped me from playing Mario Maker to begin with. Is that I would make a level and then it would just be in this like list of a bunch of the levels. It didn't feel like yeah. I was adding to Mario. It felt like I was just making a random level. This is the when most people were speculating about what Mario Maker Two was going to be. <clears throat> this is what was on everyone's like wish list. When people are like, oh, Super mm -hmm. Mario Maker 1 was great, but what can 2 do different? Everyone is like, I want to be able to make my own world, my own series of levels that are all thematically connected. Like, I want to be able to do that. And it's awesome that it's finally coming in its final update, and we're not getting anything past this. Is there anything left out there to, to add to it? I, I haven't been following it because I'm not a person who likes to build my own levels, but nor I do I like to torture to myself I... by playing other people's impossible levels. <clears throat> I'm actually going to look at how much did I play that game. Let me see if I can find out really quickly. Because I didn't play much of it. I really didn't get that into it. Even though oh. I feel like I would like it now. Um, I don't see it in the list, though. See, it's, it's been too long since I played it. It's not even on my list yeah. of like 20 games I played recently. So I don't know. Sorry, I just saw Dallas said but, in the chat that he's headed to the roof of the drum tonight. And Dallas, I'm so jealous of you that you could experience that tonight. Oh, dedicate like six hours of your time tonight because you're not going to want to stop and you have to beat the game. Is that a so. reference to Final, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy VII, VII remake? remake? Yeah. That game. Speaking of games, because we talk about games here, Quantum Error gameplay is similar <gasps> to Dead Space in Doom 3. Also from Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. She's getting it. Yeah, we mentioned her earlier. You know, I was realizing this week, we get a lot of stories from PlayStation Lifestyle, specifically Brianna Reeves. She's a powerhouse like she does lots of stuff good for her quantum error though this is interesting this is uh quotes from dakota jones who is on the uh team kill media development team who's making quantum error two quotes i thought these were interesting so gameplay will be very similar to a game like doom or dead space but in first person it will be a slower paced fps trickled with a variety of mechanics that resolve Blah resolve revolve around the main character's skills as a firefighter. We plan to have puzzles throughout where you may need to use a halogen bar to break open certain things or areas, rooms that if not vented will explode if the door is opened, moments where you have to manage oxygen levels, etc. With Quantum Error, we are going for shooting mechanics first, as that is that is the primary gameplay involved. However, when it comes to building the horror aspect of the game, it'll be done in a way that promises atmosphere over anything scripted. No jump scares or anything cheap like that. The game's entire atmosphere will be the embodiment of Eerie. Ooh. Hell yeah. Ooh. I like the... Part of what I loved about Dead Space is Isaac Clark is literally just like he's a miner. Not miner as in mm -hmm. like under 18, but like a person who mines planets. 
And he's not a superhero. He's not, I'm a badass going. He's like, no, dude, I, I know how to use these tools, and I'm just going to fucking use them as best I can to dismember these these exomorphs. What are they? I think that's what they're called. Necromorphs. That's what they are. Is that a- um, so, like, that. the idea of this one was like, he, this guy's a firefighter, and all of his skills revolve around him being a firefighter. That sounds really interesting to me, and how they adapt firefighter skills, which I assume is just sliding up and down fire poles. That's really all that firefighters <laughs> do. That's the primary game mechanic in yeah. Quantum Error. And spraying hoses everywhere. I'm kind of like, yeah, I like this I'm kind of bummed that they're not, no, like they're mentioning no jump scares or cheap things like that. Like part of Dead Space is, of course, the atmosphere, the sound design, but also there were those jump scares that just like made me want to throw my computer or throw my, my controller at the screen. And like the dread and anticipation of where those jump scares would be helped to build that tension for me. I don't know though. We'll see. I don't know. I'm see to me that was exciting to me because I think what what I, I if you for me I read into that a little bit and if they're not doing jump scares, they're not doing scripted things like that. Is it going to be very like AI based where you can't read a situation? based on your like or for example like dark souls you go through dark souls level you die you go through the same level again it's the same thing all over again whereas it, it this sounds like if it's going to be ai based if it's not scripted it'd be ai based then you can go through the same area you just died in and still not know what to expect because something could be around any corner to me that sounds really scary and i i would really want that experience and i feel like when i first heard about quantum error it seemed like one of those games that was taking advantage of the next-gen hype and saying, ooh, well, we're a PS5 game, so look at us right now, because we're one of the first games to say we're a PS5 game. Now I'm seeing, thinking, like, if they can execute on these promises, this is going to be a, a compelling game to have in the kind of early months of the console's launch, yep. assuming early months at least, because they haven't said anything about launch. I'm excited for this. I want to see more. I'm assuming we'll probably see more pretty soon. Pretty soon meaning like yeah. within the next few months. They've released like the teaser trailer online, but they haven't actually had like a game reveal and I assume it's something that was going to be at E3 that we'll see now at one of the many other events that are being held instead. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot mobile game gets surprise soft launch, which is leaked earlier, like a while ago. So we basically already knew this was happening, but yep. it's not on iOS, though. I checked iOS. It's not on iOS. So it must be Lame. Android only. Very. Report Modern Warfare 3 Remastered has been done for a while from Zermenicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. It will also apparently be a timed exclusive on PS4, which isn't surprising at this point because the past two remasters of modern warfare have been that way yep that makes sense just like holding out waiting for a good time to release it like for mm-hmm. the company and for like does it tie in with the next modern or the next call of duty release and that kind of stuff yeah also releasing that drought when people are going to be like great something new to play i'll take it right now well the so even modern warfare remastered 2 still isn't out or maybe it's coming out this week on xbox one Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's been out on PS4 obviously for a couple of weeks, but it's just not. Yeah. Gonna be, so like releasing three on the same week that two is going to be released is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mistakes, Wesley and Pool from Eurogamer let us know about a big mistake. Is that GeForce Now is losing some more publisher mis- uh, support? That's a mistake. But yeah, they're, they're gaining Assassin's Creed and Far Cry series. 
Yeah, yes. they're bleeding. So they got uh, Ubisoft support, but the, everything else. Warner Bros. Ga- Xbox yeah. Game Studios, Codemasters, whatever Clay Entertainment is. <laughs> the only one here that makes sense is Xbox Game Studios. I can see why they wouldn't want to be another streaming service when they themselves are yeah, they're trying to bolster one. their own streaming service. That one makes the most sense. But it's like, I think we were talking about this earlier on a few episodes ago. Why are people leaving GeForce when it's not really taking sales away from them? I don't understand why this would be like, oh, cool, an added benefit. Our games are just going to have cloud support now because of the work from NVIDIA. Thank you, NVIDIA. But I guess they don't want that. It's very confusing to me. I'd like to see a statement from one of these companies that pulls out as, as to the reasoning. But maybe they have exclusive Probably contracts with like Stadia pregnant. upcoming up. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Ubisoft is supporting GeForce Now. They are also full-on support for next-gen consoles. Uh, Ubisoft is prepared to delay games if next-gen consoles miss the launch window, says CEO. So Yves Guimau feels confident in their current timelines, but if they need to delay games for the next-gen launches, they will. So they're fully behind the next-gen consoles at this point then, because they could release, like, one of the r- rumored ones here is Watchdog Legions would be a PS5 and Series X launch game as, as a cross-gen title. But they want it to coincide with the launch of the new consoles, and they would be willing to delay for for that. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it's also it's also pairing the hype of the new consoles with their game. And when you are first out on that console, you get a lot of traffic and a lot of eyes on you because you're one of the eight games that are available at launch on it. Uh, so yeah. obviously, it makes sense for them to kind of partner with those console manufacturers for launch. But that's also kind of a big sacrifice for them. I mean, obviously, everyone's financials are all fucked up from coronavirus. But to say, yeah, we've got a few games that we're looking to put out for next gen. And if they get delayed a month, two months, three months, we're prepared to delay our shit and make less money during those quarters in order to to be there on day one. So that's, that's kind of a big sacrifice in a year where those sacrifices mm-hmm. don't really matter because everything's fucked up anyway. But that's cool. It, I think... I, Another reason to be a sacrifice, I mean, we've talked many times about the potential for next-gen consoles getting delayed. We don't think that they're going to get delayed. We, we're kind of more on the uh, shortage is more is more likely. But, like, hypothetically, let's say they do get delayed, and they come out in March next year, right? That would mean Ubisoft has, did not release a single game in all of 2020. Oh, yeah. That's a big risk for them. So I'm, I'm impressed to have the cojones to do that. That's some dedication. Cojones, so. that's uh, Mexican slang for balls. Actually, I think it's not even slang. It's just regular balls. <laughs> it's just regular balls. Just, just regular, regular balls. plain old yogurt. Nintendo confirms a breach of <laughs> 160,000 Nintendo Network IDs. Matthew Keto at Game Informer lets us know. Uh, the, the databases and servers owned by Nintendo, they haven't been breached. It's some sort of issue with the Nintendo Network ID service. Um, so they've just temporarily disabled that, so you can't log into no network ID when logging into Nintendo services. Um, shout out to Steven uh, Dutzman of Engaged Family. He actually released a YouTube video like days before this story even broke, talking about his account was hacked. So he was in the 160,000 accounts that were hacked, and he has a really good video just breaking down his story of what happened as well as kind of letting you know how to do two-factor authentication to make your account more secure. So definitely support Engaged Family uh, there. And And also you should be doing two-factor authentication on everything. 
yeah, seriously, it's it's it it's necessary. It should be required, honestly. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right. Are we ready for the Microsoft Quest log? I'm ready, like Let's... spaghetti made for Betty. Microsoft continues to stay strong in their next-gen lead-up. Currently, the biggest questions are pricing and games, but we have good news there. Microsoft <gasps> says we'll learn about Xbox Series X games soon. This is from yes. Andrew Reiner at Game Informer. So, at Wagerman in 1974 is a video game aficionado. If you go to his Twitter account, he's he loves the video games. He's a cool <laughs> dude. He tweeted at Phil Spencer... And he said, hi, at Xbox P3, how are you feeling about the eventual reveals of new games and new info on the Series X later this year? How is planning going? Are there definitely a lot of, uh, hung- there are definitely a lot of hungry fans out here? And then Phil Spencer actually responded and replied. He said, reviewed plans yesterday for continued sharing through launch. Team is doing great work and adapting. I've never been more excited about Xbox plans. We've heard you. You want transparency slash authenticity we plan to keep showing that way next step is not too much of a wait in parentheses games so chat ah! <laughs> what does microsoft <laughs> for the first kind of big reveal of games for xbox series x before we get to what we want to see what do they have to show us what do they have to show us they have to show us game yeah. of halo infinite okay it is, quote-unquote, coming this holiday, although we've seen rumors that it might be delayed. But we, we have to see legit gameplay from that game, what makes it special, why it's making Halo relevant again. Um, we also have to see, it's been two years, we have to see at least a, a teaser, a title, uh, a concept art from whatever the initiative is working on. The initiative that's okay. the that's yeah. the new studio they formed, right? The initiative. It's in yes. the coalition initiative. No coalition, no, coalition is that's gears. gears five. Yeah. yeah. It's in the initiative, yeah. So we have to see what the initiative is working on. And then it looks like Hellblade is in a spot where like they are they're ready to show that too. So I think we're ready to see whatever's next from Ninja Theory for Hellblade as well. That's what we have to see. Those three things will get me hyped. Even though two of them we've already been kind of we've already seen quote unquote um, seeing like gameplay and more information about those, I think are necessary. What else we have to see is uh, support. What kind of support are they going to have from third parties on series X? You know, the, the tagline played best on Xbox or best on series X. Like we have to find out what are the features that are being added with the power of the series X and how do they have third parties already lined up to make those happen in each of these games? What are your thoughts? I agree with I agree with pretty much everything you said. I would say it for some of it it does depend on is this event replacing E3 or is this an addition to what would have been their E3 event? And I think that if they're still going to do something in the E3 time frame would or what would have been E3, I don't think they have to show off Halo Infinite, although it would be extremely welcome if they did because that would be kind of a big temple thing that kind of could stand on its own but i agree i totally totally agree with need to have like new ip they need to show off something new that they're all these studios they bought are doing and i think specifically even though they said that the first year of games is going to be cross-gen it's not going to be series x X exclusive they need to show especially before sony shows something 
what a next-gen Series X exclusive game looks like compared to Gears 5 running on both consoles. Which Gear 5, Gears 5 looked great, but I yeah. want to see something that takes advantage of that, that SSD. I want something that takes advantage of the NVMe drive so they can basically say, hey, I know Sony's got that faster SSD and their games can take advantage of it, but we can, you know, we can walk the talk as well. Like, I want to see that kind of comparison. I think it's also a good opportunity for them to show off, like, another... Actually, Halo Infinite would be a good example of this if they were to show this off at um, this event, is here's what it looks like on Xbox One X, and then after that, they can do, like, and this is the Series X enhancements. Here's how you can see this game, how it got improved. I think seeing those things, especially on a game we haven't seen yet, will be really enticing. But like they can do it with third-party titles as well. They want to show off Watchdog Legions and how that's different across both. Um, Microsoft, this is kind of getting more into what I want to see, but Microsoft has been showing off... Uh, what was it? Yeah, Sekiro. Sekiro was shown off at Microsoft's E3 events. They've been working with from software it seems like so i'd like to see elder ring or elden ring yeah elden ring mm -hmm. the uh, from soft's next game okay. kind of shown okay. off and maybe that's gonna have some series x stuff they can show off there too that would be cool but yeah i think the crux of it is the new stuff we need to see the new but let's get to some wishful thinking yeah. what do you yeah. want to see what do i want to see i want to yeah. see what their strategy is hardware wise not necessarily here are all the specs because we know that, but like, what's the messaging mm -hmm. around the One S, the One X? We know they can play the games. Are they keeping them around? Are they officially supported but not necessarily sold? What's the holiday lineup look like? What's the price point? All of these kind of things. So that's what I want to see. But from his tweet where he says the next step is not too much of a wait parentheses games, I don't think we're going to get that in whatever this rumored May event will be. I think that's probably more of an E three week timeline type thing. Mm -hmm. and there's also the rumor yeah there's a rumor going around that the <clears throat> xbox one x is being discontinued like there was they they released last week they're like hey here's the cyberpunk 2077 this is the last limited edition one x you'll see that we're ever making uh, and there's also rumors that just like that console itself is just being discontinued to make way for series x series what we're calling S for now, which might replace that for messaging purposes. And then maybe they keep one S around. But yeah, at the moment, there's just like, there's Xbox One, one S, one S all digital, one X, series X, whatever the other series is. Like there, there are too many Xboxes. I want to know what the lineup and messaging is going forward. I think even just keeping the, like getting rid of the one S and the one X and just keeping the one S all digital would be a smart move, I think. It's like the super affordable, we took the disk drive out, like sell it for $200. That thing yeah. will be, that thing will sell. That'd be cool. It's already sold I, I for 150 several times throughout the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't really actually have a lot of things specifically that I want to see. Like, I do have like Fable would be cool. I thought I oh, know Fable. here, but like Fable's been in the works for a trillion. It has to be shown, yeah. Yeah, there's also that very, very compelling video leak on the level of the Harry Potter video leak, where they basically show like a moment of gameplay in Fable Four, and you're like, "That's not running on current hardware." I can tell even from that <laughs> grainy footage, like that. There's just no way. So Fable would be cool. I've never played a Fable game, but it's from what I know about it, it's a series that would appeal to me. So I feel like. 
a Fable reboot or Fable 4 or whatever it turns out to be would, would entice me based on how they would show it off. But I really just, I'm really just generally, I really want to see what their studios are doing. I want to see, not even just specifically what their studios are doing, but kind of the meta, the larger picture of how does Microsoft position themselves as, how does Microsoft make their game stand out in the same way that Sony makes their games kind of stand out? Like, you know a Sony exclusive game has almost like a certain quality expectation to it, a certain feel because Naughty Dog has Naughty Dog has their own kind of visual style and, and kind of gameplay style they work off of. Same with Santa Monica, same with, you know, every developer that, that works underneath them, Insomniac. I want to see how that translates over to Microsoft. Like what's their kind of their vision, their branding, their their angle they're gonna go at with their exclusives. Are they gonna have maybe a larger focus on multiplayer games because that's always the kind of bigger Microsoft or are they really going to have heavily into single player experiences and if so what do those single player experiences look like that really excites me I just generally want to see that and that's a really like broad general thing but it I'm excited for kind of anything they have to show off yeah did you ever go yeah. try any of the Ori games no I want to though Add that to your list. I want to. I'd, Add that to your quarantine I'll have the, list. That's definitely the quarantine list. Um, so that's all information that is coming up at some point. But we had some new information that kind of came out accidentally. Um, I don't I don't know. People are saying this is basically confirmed. I don't know if it's basically confirmed. But the Xbox Series X logo seemingly has been revealed, courtesy of Joe Scrubbles at IGN. The logo was officially trademarked on April 16th. We don't know if it's a logo they're going to go with. They might go with a different one, I guess. If they trademarked it, I don't know how that works, but it's essentially an X, and then to the left of the X, it says series vertically. Yeah, I it's think pretty that, simple, very straightforward. That calls to their strategy where he said, like, Series X is one of many of our next gen consoles. This makes it yeah. really obvious to be able to see that and be like, oh, yeah, series is kind of small and vertical, and then whatever the big identifier of that box is. I don't know. Yeah. I, it looks fine to me. A lot of people are like, I hate this logo. It's like, it, it, it's a fucking logo. It says the word series and it has X on it. Like, what do you want from it? I don't know if we would see this in like marketing. I feel like when they've already written out and when we've seen the gameplay, or not the gameplay, the real, the hardware reveal at Game Awards, they just show Xbox Series X. I think that's how they're going to market it and advertise yeah. it in videos online. I think this is something they're going to put on like the box. So you can kind yeah. of see just like Series X to distinguish that box from the other box. Right. Um, that would the box make, itself, in the same like way the hardware, that like, and they're going to put it on the cardboard box that you buy at GameStop or whatever it is. It will, whatever replaces GameStop yeah. when they die. Yeah, but yeah, for Those marketing, there's fun. already the there's already the Xbox, and then underneath it, Series X. Like we've seen that a ton already. Xbox logo, then the word Xbox, yeah. and then Series X underneath of it. Mm-hmm groundbreaking brilliant amazing let's move on to sony now all right so sony sony quest log here ever since sony's road to ps5 developers have been coming out praising the next generation console this week we got a lot of good impressions on dualsense and p um the ps5's next generation controller as well as some other things too um Actually, didn't include the other story. Well, I'll, I'll mention it anyway at the end. So, <laughs> okay. Dying Light Dev says DualSense features can be a real game changer. This is from Zormenicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. So, the lead game designer for Dying again, Light again, and they're going to come up one more time as well. Uh, Timon, um, I'm going to mess this up. Smectala. Smectala. Timon. 
Smectilla. He's the lead game designer for Dying Light. He uh, had this to say during an interview. He said, as for the shape, we need to see how it will fit in the hands. But looking at it, I get very good vibes. I think it has a chance to be one of the best in history. Just big enough but neat and funky at the same time. I also think the haptic feedback and adaptive triggers can be a real game changer, way more than people expect right now. We had some more comments as well from Tequila Works CEO, who was also impressed by DualSense, including unrevealed features. And look, there is Potential Lifestyle again. Thank you, Brianna Reeves. One note for this story here, the interview is translated from Spanish, so mistranslations are totally possible here. And considering some of the information said, I think that's worth noting. So Raul Rubio, the CEO of uh, Tequila Works, believes haptics and the create button will be game changers for controllers. He goes as far as to claim ergonomics and stick placement will not be the main consideration in controller preference going forward. That's wild. He mentions the create button will make sharing clips, quote, more active. But when he discussed haptics, Rubio makes an interesting reference to fingerprint recognition and biometric sensors. So we have a lead game designer from Dying Light and the CEO of Tequila Works. Basically, uh, they're they're loving the dual sense. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to note the first one, the Dying Light dev, um, it sounds like everything he's saying is based on looking at the reveal on the PlayStation blog. He didn't have one in his hands. Yeah. It just, yeah. And Tequila Works, they, that's I, very I get more of the impression yeah. that they have one from what they, from what Raul says. Um, but yeah, people are really excited about it. The I hadn't really thought about this, that in the past, uh, Raul Rubio from Tequila Works just does say this. He calls it out as like, the main consideration between whether you like Xbox or PlayStation controllers better is just kind of ergonomics and where the sticks are. It hasn't been like, oh man, I love the Xbox controller because of the rumble triggers. Like that's a, a huge new feature for me. But this differentiates itself so much from a traditional controller now that like, it's not just about how does it feel in my hands. It's all about like, what kind of cool ass things can this controller do that the other one can't? And that's, that's a, a yeah. cool new area that we're in now. Especially the fingerprint recognition and biometric sensors. That's the part that could have been a mistranslation. He could have been saying, like, I heard some rumors that, or like, whatever. But that part's actually, I I thought about it a little bit, and this could be really cool. So when I talked about DualSense a few weeks ago, when it was kind of announced, I would mentioned that the light bar wasn't returning. I kind of noticed the light bar wasn't returning. And that when they had meant, they first talked about the light bar on the PS4 controller, they had said that they included it because they wanted to be able to tell each other's controllers apart from one another. So not grabbing player two's controller when you're player one. What if the fingerprint and recognition in the biometric sensors and all that is actually there to replace the functionality of that light bar in that specific use case where oh, it will just like recognize your you pick up the controller if you have multiple yeah, users yeah, so like on your you, Mac, whoever puts their finger on the touch ID, it just switches to their user. Exactly. So if you pick up the controller, it'll say, hey, this isn't the same hand that was holding it before. This is the hand that was holding the other, the player two controller. So this controller is now player two. Mm. Because that hand is now touching the controller. Like Things like that would be kind of cool. I think there'd need to be more than just that to justify its existence. Because that sounds like yep. it's going to be pretty expensive, but that's totally feasible. It'd be kind of cool to see that, and they did get rid of the light bar, and that was one of the explicit reasons they had the light bar. So that'd be that'd be pretty wild to to see. The Before haptics, everyone tears your part in the comments. Yes, we know that there are still remnants of the light bar by the touchpad. 
the, so you can yeah, see yeah, the yeah. light bar showing through. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like that specific use case of the light bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the well, never mind. We're talking about VR stuff, but that's another conversation for another episode later on in the future. Um, the other part is the haptics. I'm getting really interested in the haptics, but I want to see examples of this, be- especially the adaptive triggers, because the Xbox One controller has something similar where the uh, they have. Road, vibrating mo- motors in the triggers to kind of create right. different sensations and feelings and it's not apparently used that heavily so i would like to see examples of of that being used and then also just with the haptics of like walking through mud and ice and that kind of stuff that sounds unbelievable i'm a huge fan of hd rumble on the switch and this is just like the next it's like 4k rumble it's the next version of that i just want to see examples and tangible yeah. things as opposed to, to like just yeah, but all this too is making me think, man, this controller is gonna be really expensive. And last week you had mentioned this is gonna be a more expensive controller, and I was like, nah, it's not gonna be. And now I'm like, I don't know if you put fingerprint sensors and biometrics in there, that's gonna be expensive. Yeah. And the Nintendo Switch Pro controller, I think, might even allow them to make it more expensive because the Switch Pro controller is seventy bucks, which is ten dollars more than the current controllers for on PlayStation and Xbox. So they could get away with increasing the yep. price. Yeah, so the Joy-Cons we'll is 80 bucks. Like it's uh, controllers with, yeah. with those features are kind of getting up there. There are um, up there. There are two things I'm excited about. The haptics on the like, on the triggers and on the sticks. The way that people are selling them actually makes it f- sound like if I'm pulling back the string of a bow, it's actually harder for me to pull that trigger than it is if I were to just be pulling the trigger on a gun. So, like mm-hmm. And moving through mud, like it's actually harder for me to push that thumbstick up than it would be moving on pavement or something like that. Like that's the kind of shit that gets me really excited. Um, but then on the biometric side and the fingerprint recognition, there was a couple of months ago. I think we talked about this with Steven on the podcast, where there was the Sony patents the ability to read your sweat and heart rate through the controller, uh, so that it can adjust difficulty and things like that for gameplay based on your heart rate. And one thing we brought up, and he had mentioned you, being in insurance, that kind of information is incredibly sensitive and protected. And like biometrics are things that you have to have a lot of security built into your software and operating system in order to like legally be able to record some of this data and the privacy. Like who's sharing this information? Who's getting the fingerprint recognition? Does it store your fingerprint or is it all done? Like that's all a ton of stuff that I don't know if Sony wants to get into that, like that deep into it. Because, you know, like with Apple devices, there's the secure element and they have so much engineering that goes into making sure that that's all protected. Whereas I don't know if Sony wants to actually put the energy into that for a controller for a game console for something that might only I... be used for switching player profiles. Yeah. For just switching player profiles, yeah, it would have to be more than that. And they do have that tech built into their phones, so they know how to do it. It's just a matter of how cost effective it would be to add not just those sensors, but the secure element for example the apple products like that's a chip they have in their phone separate chip manufactured separately like it's a separate thing they'd have to spend money on in that controller on top of vibrating motors haptic sensors like touch pads like all this other new stuff they're adding in there well touch pads ready not to new, play on one. it's advanced what was that i'm ready to play on one i'm ready are you ready to play one yeah oh yeah i am as well very soon chat this holiday for sure. 
In other news, outside of unannounced DualSense features, Sony apparently has a lot more surprises for the PS5 to announce. This comes from Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. He says a former PS5 engineer confirms that several features have yet to be leaked. Matt uh, um, Hargett is a former principal software engineer for PS5, according to his Twitter profile, and he tweeted, Many, many things haven't shown up in leaks. There are plenty of secrets that are being well kept. In this case, the context is very important to what he might mean there. That tweet was buried in a thread about Mark Cerny's comments on the geometry engine during the road to PS5, one of the many things he talked about in that uh, event. There was a debate about variable rate uh, variable rate shading and geometry engine sparked in that Twitter thread. AMD hasn't announced VRS support in their graphics cards, leading to speculation that PS5 lacks that functionality. However, Series X will have that uh, VRS functionality because of DirectX support, something the PS5 does not have, I, th- I believe. Some criticized the lack of um, uh, variable rate shading in PS5. Others said it wasn't needed. This is when Matt Hardigat chimed in with, many, many things haven't shown up in leaks. There are plenty of secrets that are being well kept. What I take from that is that it might be something that's really cool, but they wouldn't actually talk about because it's not relevant to a consumer. It's more relevant to a developer. Like the kind of things Possibly. they talked about yeah, running PS5. So I don't know what to make from this, but it's very interesting for sure. Uh, there's one kind of patent that was revealed that could be one of those kind of secret sauce elements. But Chad, what are your comments on that first part first? I am so pumped to hear. I, I'm thirsty. I'm so thirsty for PlayStation 5 information. And I know that you're just like, <laughs> they got to go big. They got to go big. I'm so wary. And this whole time I'm like, don't worry. They've got it. And now hearing there are many, many things that haven't shown up in leaks and there are plenty of secrets being well kept. Oh, just give me something. Give me a little bit of something. Oh, I'm excited as fuck. I can't wait. I want to. I want to. I want to get a hammer and smash myself in the temple and just wake up this holiday, and it already be here. Like I want to go into a coma for six months and then have these consoles. <laughs> I can't make it. I can't make it until November. You're gonna have to. I. I won't have you hitting your head with a hammer. That'd be really bad. Don't. Do uh, that. You can just have guests on for the next twenty four episodes. <laughs> I. I don't know. I. I. I think this is definitely cool and exciting because it means that there is probably some untapped potential in terms of the power differences between Series X and PS5 that we're not aware of. But in the con- in the context of it being about variable rate shading and the, the geometry engine, I'm thinking this is like a method for how they can properly take advantage of CPU and GPU performance. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be like a consumer-facing thing like the create button where it's something new we haven't seen or haptics, like something new that's going to change the gameplay experience we haven't seen before. I think, if anything, it's going to be something that's going to make games look and perform better, but not necessarily something that's going to change how you play games, just how they're made. Interesting. I hope you're wrong because I want something customer what? facing. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas Among says he volunteered to hit that... me in the head with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also adds that we can talk about Animal Crossing and Red Dead Redemption 2, which I just picture Chad being in a coma in a hospital room and Dallas just coming in going, hey, Chad, so I got bushes <laughs> in my town and all the fences in my town are bushes now. And, and Chad I can hear everything that's going it. on and I'm screaming in my brain, but I can't 
emote at all. I was like, no, I will not have my podcast turned into this. <laughs> Continuing on with Sony PS5 secrets. There's a PlayStation 5 heatsink pack um, patent that was unveiled. This is also from Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. The heatsink, according to the patent, will be on the lower part of the circuit board and will include holes for heat conduction paths. The patent claims that this allows for a higher degree of freedom in component layout. Dennis Patrick speculates this heatsink design might dictate an upright design for PS5 akin to the Xbox Series X. Cool. I mean, I'm all for the Xbox Series X design, but like, people have been designing entertainment consoles for horizontal platform, like horizontal consoles. I, if everything's going upright and I'm going to get a new freaking entertainment console to fit all these things... I'll do it. I've been looking for an excuse to do <laughs> it anyway. You'll do it. I also think like upright design definitely thing, and I was also thinking just smaller. They got a lot of a lot of hype on PS4 was, ooh, it's so much smaller than the Xbox Series X. I think a big part of it, too, is also it was more powerful. It was more powerful and smaller. And so I kind of i'm hoping at least it's gonna be this like nice compact console design i think that sounds really cool but just you start talking Sony. you start saying anything literally anything start talking tell me something good <laughs> nintendo has good things to say right now this is exciting moving on to the nintendo quest log um let me delete that part out because we already talked about that um, literally so all small, animal crossing <laughs> it's all animal crossing despite a small dip in its second week animal crossing continues to sell extremely well for nintendo animal crossing new, this first story here from chris Moyes at destructoid animal crossing new horizon sold an estimated five million digital copies in its first month the data was provided by super data they showed that there were again five million digital sales copies sold which makes animal crossing new horizons the best-selling console game of the month but it also tops call of duty black ops 3 for the best first month digital sales for a console game so that's really impressive but even more than that they are now up 53 percent in sales in the uk even though there was that dip earlier they're now back up again they're so they're number one again and then in america Animal Crossing New Horizons sold more at U.S. launch than any Mario or Zelda since records began. From Tom Holy Phillips shit. at Eurogamer. Only Smash Bros. Brawl and Ultimate outsold Animal Crossing New Horizons at launch. That's amazing. That's amazing. Animal Crossing New Horizons has sold more copies than every other Animal Crossing game combined. Not just launch, because before they already did that with launch. Like, launch sales were more than every other launch of any other Animal Crossing in the past. But now just, in total, it's outsold every single Animal Crossing game combined. And the game has been out about a month? That's fucking impressive as hell. Yeah. But it's not... It gets even crazier. It gets even crazier than that. Animal Crossing has become so popular it has rejuvenated demand for Animal Crossing New Leaf. The lack of Switch stock in Japan is driving up the value of Animal Crossing New Leaf, according to Damian McFerrin at Nintendo Life. Copies of New Leaf are going up as high as $92 equivalent in Japan right now because people can't get a Switch. They can't 
get Animal Crossing New Horizons, but they still want to play that game, so they'll get it for their old 3DS. Oh my god. You guys, it's not that good. <laughs> no, it is. As I mentioned in a few weeks ago, like it is. If you're an Animal Crossing fan, if you're a fan of that game, like it is perfect. It is perfect. But um, the I was actually surprised to read that Smash Bros. Brawl and Ultimate have already sold more in the U.S. at launch than any Mario or Zelda game had, and now Animal Crossing is is surpassed that. Like that's surprising to me that. Mario games don't sell better at launch. I mean, obviously they sell really, 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 really well, but just not better than Smash or Animal Crossing. Yeah. I always figured that Zelda and Mario were their biggest franchises. I guess Smash doesn't surprise me, I guess, but I just didn't consider it as like the number one selling franchise for Nintendo. But Animal Crossing topping the classics is that's Yeah. I mean, Dallas it's points amazing. out in the chat, it's like, impressive. hey, two out of the three of us didn't even want to play it, and now we all own it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because there are it's a so many people game. jumping in for the first time. And perfect so timing good. with quarantine, too. Like, that, I 100% believe that it came at the perfect time. Like, there is no better date in the entire world or Mayan calendar that this game could have come out and sold any more than it has already. Nintendo is happy. I'm excited to talk about this next story. We talked about this next story a little bit last week. We've gone to the third-party quest log. Last week, Jason Schreier announced his departure from Kutaku without mention of where he'd be moving to. Until now. Tweet from Jason Schreier said that he's stoked to announce that in mid-May, I'll be joining the talented, formidable tech team at Bloomberg News, where I'll be reporting on the weird, wild world of video games, business, culture, labor delays, and lots more. He also tweeted, One of the many things that really appealed to me about Bloomberg News was the tech team's editors telling me they appreciated coverage of the video games industry's um, systemic labor issues and wanted to put more resources into that very excited to get started this is dope him going to bloomberg there are a couple of things here that it does it it gets him a little bit more clout to do whatever he wants to do all the different types of things because so much of what happens in the video game industry in the video game world and what's really big news to us and those that are fans of it is like nothing to the regular person. So when you when a regular person reads a news article from Kotaku, they're like, what the fuck is that? Is, is that some J- Japanese thing? I don't give a shit about it. But they look at Bloomberg with a different level of respect, which is really cool because they're like, oh, this is a respected publication that I should pay attention to. So Jason Schreier's already been doing amazing work, and I think going to Bloomberg gets him a lot more visibility with people outside of gaming. And consequently, the second cool thing about this is that the types of things he's reporting on, the game delays, the labor dispute, like all of these kind of things are now bringing that to a huge new audience that wasn't seeing it when he was just writing at Kotaku. And it allows these issues that, like all the labor stuff and and video game culture, these issues that were being brought up within the gaming community and making gamers speak out against it and then eventually change things, it's now opening up to a huge new audience to get more eyes on it and put even more pressure on these companies to do the right thing and, and pay their employees certain ways and make really great choices in the company work culture. And So this is all good news for me. 
aside from Kotaku losing basically their namesake, Jason Kotaku Shire. Yeah, it's, that's not a great part. <laughs> but there's so many talented people over at Kotaku. There are. I'm I'm excited for Jason, of course, because this is a, obviously a huge career jump for him. But I do have some mild concerns because of a similar story. Um, do you know who Mark Gurman is? No, but he, his name makes me think of gerbils. <laughs> he was a uh, Mac journalist or Apple journalist uh, for 9to5Mac for a while. And he was like the Jason Schreier of the Apple rumor community, where like okay. if he said something, it was the word of God, and it was basically fact. Just how like if Jason Schreier says something, it's basically fact. It's very similar reputations. After going to Bloomberg, the revelations weren't coming in quite as hot and frequent as before. Whether that's just like an editorial decision at Bloomberg or not having the same kind of connections he used to have, I don't know. But there was definitely a, like a noticeable dip in like the content that he was pulling out, uh, putting out. But he was also the person who wrote, and I mentioned this last week, he was also the person that wrote the China infiltrating Apple server story that turned out to be fake that Bloomberg to this day has not denounced. And I, I hope that Jason Schreier doesn't have the same fate as him, as well as uh, um, Joanna Stern, who went... Oh, where was Joanna Stern from? She went from a, a tech-focused site... I can't remember the name of it. It was like TechCrunch or something like that, but I can't remember now. And then she went to the Wall Street Journal. And same kind of thing. She ended up writing, like, you know when you watch, and I don't mean to be like, I'm not going to mention anyone specifically, but like, there are some, if you look at like tech videos, for example, there are some tech videos where it seems like it's made for your mom versus being made for someone who has more of a sure. tech, like, I should say your parents, not your mom. I don't call out a specific gender there. Your parents. <laughs> Sure. And versus like being made for somebody who's more tech minded. And when the, the coverage I was seeing from like Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal after they left seemed more focused for the lech, the less tech minded people. And I hope that Jason this is just my hope is that Jason Schreier doesn't lose what made him really great at Kutaku. Because I've seen it happen before, but I have faith that he won't. I just have to be a nervous Nancy like a little nervous Nelly. Like I, I you gotta be worried. Can't let so, anything be great, Holden. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a better chance that he'll do better than he'll like fall flat on his face. I don't think there's any chance he's gonna fall flat on his face. But at the very least, expect a different type of coverage coming from Jason Schreier. Just yeah, because the Blo- definitely... Bloomberg might not want to report on a PS5 rumor unless it's something that might incentivize you know investors to to invested in a different company or something like that like investor information um like that's when a rumor might come into play but there's not going to be any like you know horizon zero dawn two confirmations coming from jason schreier at bloomberg the the stories are going to be different yeah there will probably still i assume he's still going to be very very active on his twitter however and he'll still tweet like absolutely somebody will tweet something he'll retweet like yeah this is true somebody told me about this three months ago I'm like, oh, shit. Ah. And then people will still write articles about what Jason tweeted. But yeah, you probably won't see yeah. articles from Jason about a lot of these things anymore. Because you're right. He does have to appeal yeah. to, like, with that greater audience and greater exposure comes the fact that, like, 
you kind of have to water down your message so that everyone can understand it and make it things that are relevant to more people rather than just relevant to that core gamer. Yeah. But it'd be exciting that I think he'll have more freedom to talk about labor issues at a probably even deeper degree, which is crazy to think is that some of those uh, articles he wrote about, like uh, Rockstar, for example, were long, like extremely in-depth. So I'm curious yeah. how much farther he can take it at Bloomberg, especially since he says that's one of the reasons they brought him in in the first place. Yep. So that's good. Good for him. Chad, mm. do you have an ad read you want to read out for us? I do. We're going to talk about Nintendo subscription services Ooh. that might be coming or that we might want to see. Sorry, I just had a hiccup in the middle of that. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about Affable Idiots. It's the new brand under which Respawn Aim Fire uh, and many other products in the future, and some right now, live. Uh, you can te- check out us, AAWY, and also with you podcast, where we talk about all sorts of fun things. Today we made a list of... Uh, all of the things you can spend your stimulus check on, including king chickens. Do you know what a king chicken is? Watch AAWI on Thursday morning. But we need some help from you. We need help on YouTube. We are relatively new to the YouTube scene. We need subscribers in order to get our own personalized URL, youtube.com slash whatever the fuck we wanted to say. Right now it's just a bunch of random numbers and letters, and it looks like a computer threw up. And we need you to help clean up the vomit. So please go in the description of this podcast, in the description of this YouTube video, go to those links, hit subscribe. I don't care if you turn off notifications for us as long as you give us your subscription. And in fact, once we have the personalized <laughs> URL, you can unsubscribe from us. I don't give a fuck. Just wait till we get to 100. Uh, you can also go to podcast services, leave us a review. That helps a lot, like for real. So go there, only give us five stars. If you want to give us more star- or less stars, stop listening to us and go do something better with your time if you don't like us. Please. <laughs> and then finally, you can go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Uh, there you can get access to cool ass new wallpapers and previous months as well for your devices. You can get to play with us on game nights, which this week is going to be Splatoon 2 on Switch. Uh, and then you can also influence what we play and play along with us for our barf game, Backlog Accomplishment with Respawn and Friends, which this month is Yoshi's Island. And the poll, I guess, is done for next month. What are we playing next month, Holden? Oh, what are we playing next month? Take a look. Great question. All of you patrons went out there and you voted, and it was a tie for a little bit between two games. And now we're finally going to figure out what we're all going to be playing in the month of May, the longest month of May. The month of May, we have... A tie. Oh, some so of a bitch. So I need to post another poll. Uh, yeah, so it's a tie between the Order 1886 and Okami. Oh, two so very So I will post that poll tonight, immediately after we record. I will tweet that shit out, and we'll find Talk out by the end of next out. week. We record, and I was zoning out for a second, so if you already said this, sorry. But we're, we're recording on May 1st, recording the Yoshi's Island episode. So I have not have said that. By so then. Yeah. And, yeah, so then by that day, we'll close the poll. So you have until May 1st to decide. Dope, dope, dope. I farted. Dallas wants That's Order it. 1886. He, yep. If you, you want to please Dallas, just to let you know, Dallas is willing to come hit me in the head with a hammer. So if you're willing to support that kind of an individual... That's either like commitment to friendship or that is like psychopathic behavior. So whichever you see that is, you can choose to to support that or you can choose to shut him down. Knowing Dallas, that's it for our ad read. Committed friend. Let's talk about our main quest, Holden. Yeah. So main quest 
will Nintendo do subscriptions? <gasps> Nintendo has the largest gaming catalog in the industry, which begs the question for many people is what are they going to do with that catalog? There's so much potential, so much monies to be made. Nintendo is the next Disney Plus, says Activist Investor, which now has a one point billion dollar stake in Nintendo. This is from Damian McFerrin at Nintendo Life. Value Act Capital Partners LP has worked directly with Microsoft, Adobe, Olympus, and others since um, their founding in 2000. According to Wikipedia, they pressured uh, to join Microsoft's board, and that led to the CEO, uh, sorry, the former CEO Steve Ballmer resigning. So they've got some, they've got some, uh, yeah, some some cred. They got some power there. So this is a big deal that they're interested in Nintendo. Currently, they hold $1.1 billion in Nintendo and have had several meetings with Nintendo's executive teams. Uh, the topics discussed include expanding to a subscription service along the lines of Disney+. Plus. Obviously for games, not for TV shows, but same kind of concept of a subscription service. I don't service. know. They've got the Mario movie coming out next year, and they they've do. got the old Mario movie. That's two Mario... And the Zelda TV series? Holden. They've got some stuff in the... Is there? In the... Oh, that's, there was that rumor. That's right. The Zelda TV series. That's right. And there was Animals... the Mario cartoon show. Is there... Was that a rumor? No. It's from the 90s. Oh, that one. Okay, sorry. There was a... The Wall Street Journal a while ago had that rumor that a Zelda TV show is being considered for Netflix. Yeah, kind of like Game of Thrones or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, Game of Thrones for families is how it's kind of pitched. On top of Value Act Capital Partners LP, what a catchy name, analyst <laughs> Michael Pachter has a similar mindset for Nintendo. Nintendo should create an Apple Arcade-style subscription service, claims the analyst. During a CNBC interview, Pachter said, One thing they have that nobody else has is a gigantic library, more than a thousand handheld games. And if they were to emulate Apple Arcade and put a thousand games on it, they would have a hundred million subscribers paying them five dollars a month. It's not reflecting in their share price because they haven't monetized it yet. But if you're looking at Nintendo's uh, Nintendo going forward, I think that's the answer. So I guess I hadn't considered this idea of it being a TV-like service as well. I was really just more focused on uh, like an Apple. Oh, Arcade I was a hundred percent joking about the TV thing. <laughs> oh, okay. 100%. I thought you were being serious. No. I, they are working on those properties. They're not wrong. They are working on those those uh, film yeah, and TV-based properties. They can't, they can't launch a TV, TV service with four things. <laughs> Although Apple TV I, did. Apple did. Yeah. <laughs> <Jinx>. <laughs> that, though, I want, though, they actually had some good programming at the beginning. Morning Show, fantastic. Service hey, the new one with good. Chris Evans uh, is really good, too. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. But that's not Nintendo-related. Let's you're get right, back right. on that. So... I guess, like, the first thing is, do you, not even, like, do you want a Nintendo service, but do you think that that is something Nintendo would do, whether you Here's want it or thing. not? Subscription services are the way that like, they are the cutting edge of the technology that this industry is pushing with Xbox Game Pass, with PlayStation Now, with Stadia, with GeForce Now, all of these things. That is the future that the game industry is going towards. And uh, there's no company out there less qualified to do something that requires online connectivity and uh, managing of subscriptions, <laughs> all these kind of things, than Nintendo. Nintendo is definitely not qualified. <laughs> They've launched their own online service that everyone forgets that they pay 20 bucks a year for and no one uses. And they've 
bungled the launch of the NES and SNES online entertainment service for Switch, Nintendo online service, whatever the fuck they call it. Uh, they don't know how to release games in a way that's enticing or at a cadence that's predictable, and they don't know how to communicate it well. So, all of that being said, this is a direction Nintendo should certainly head in and look into, but it is not one that I think that they are well-suited for for another 10 years. Yeah, I I agree. I think they really... I mean, really think about this. How are these this bad at online services? How is this bad? Do you really think it's impossible for Nintendo to say, hey, we'd like to hire some engineers who are focused on networked-based services? You don't think some very skilled network engineers would love to work at Nintendo? Like that wouldn't. I don't think that'd be that hard for them. Do you know There's why? There's such a recognizable I learned level today, of why. And Nintendo was founded in the same year that Van Gogh painted Starry Night. They're from 1889, <laughs> Holden. All of these ancient-ass people around making the decisions for everyone. But so the, the the reverse of that argument, though, is interesting in that, yes, they're a very old company, but they've adapted to the times. They've been a trading card company. They made straight up toys like, you know, like the little arm that you reach in, like it grabs onto things and you squeeze the trigger. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the ones you pick up trash with on the side of the road. Yeah, sure. Those. Nintendo invented that. That's a Nintendo invention. And then, but they went from all that to getting into games and revitalizing games and bringing that technology back into the forefront in a huge way. They're totally able to. I mean, that's a long time ago now, but I do feel like the company has a history of totally revamping themselves in major ways. Why can't they do that with the internet? We made. Don't know. We talked about the 2001 E3 where they, um, they they, they mentioned about the GameCube that. Online gaming is a fad that's not going to pan out. And, like, they're just nowadays, they're so far behind in it, but they have this history, this precedent of revolutionizing themselves internally. So I feel like they could do it, and the money would be so good. I don't oh, agree yeah. with Michael Pachter's view of like getting a, um, a smartphone service with a thousand handheld games. I don't think Nintendo would do that because those games were not made for smartphone. But they would oh, still yeah. make a killing out of five. Like, yeah. I hadn't thought Sorry. of this all as as a smartphone thing when when we were talking about it. And like, they keep I just it up right like now, Disney yeah. Plus or Apple Arcade. Like, I still thought, oh, those models, but on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, myself. I think it would make the most sense for Nintendo to put it on the Switch. I don't think that the smartphone idea would work at all unless they had some sort of like Game Boy case thing to put your phone in that had buttons to use. And it plugged into like the lightning port on your phone so that it connects directly. Like that I can see them doing because then it would actually have like buttons to use. But there's no way they're gonna bring like Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening with touchscreen controls to, to iPhone. I, I just don't no. see that ever happening. But yeah, like on Switch, hundred percent I can see them doing something like that. I would pay ten dollars a month for that service. I don't think they'll do five dollars because they can get away with more than that. I would pay ten dollars a month for that service and just turn it on and off whenever I need to, like Game Pass. It would kill. But like you said, do they have the expertise to do something like that? They should, but they they don't right now. <laughs> yep. And they've That's got a lot messy. of catch up to do. This is a lot. Absolutely. And I also feel like they would do it in some odd way where like we're launching the subscription service, but it only has like 
two games that you really care about and 30 other games, and all of them are from the NES library. Enjoy. And they'd be like, why did no one buy our service? Like, If they're going to do this, they got to go all in. It's got to have NES through at least GameCube, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I can and see the them not doing Wii, but GameCube. The the issue, yeah, the issue here is that this doesn't necessarily say streaming service. It is a subscription service. Yeah. So yeah, we do have to we do have to come to the terms with the fact that like these will have to be handheld games or things that the Switch can run, which it might not necessarily be able to mm-hmm. run Wii games without having to actually design them for the Switch. Um so there's yeah, that little hiccup there, but at least through GameCube. Because the Wii itself was a GameCube. Mm-hmm. It could play it. The Switch is more powerful than a Wii. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, would, I would very much welcome it. And the thing that gives me the most faith that this is going to happen is that, that this company, Value Act Capital Partners LP, is in discussions with executives right now. And they also say in the article that Value Act isn't feeling compelled to pressure Nintendo, unlike Microsoft, where they basically were like threatening to join their board because they had such a stake in the company that their CEO resigned at the threat of that. It doesn't seem like they're willing to exert that kind of force in Nintendo, which would, to me, suggest that their discussions are somewhat, uh, you know, mutual in their goals. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It would be huge, though, especially with... I think we've talked about this before, of what is Nintendo's kind of next few years of Switch going to look like when they've kind of already done all the major franchises that they have, and I think playing into nostalgia against the next generation consoles by having services like this would be a great way for them to bring in a lot of revenue and keep the Switch an enticing device. If you want to access the library of our thousand plus games uh, that are cherished and loved, you have to have Nintendo Switch for that. That's a good sell. That's a good marketing yeah. uh, message, I think, to have. We'll see if it happens. Moving on. We'll see if it happens. Moving on to subscriber interrogatives. We have one from Dust at Dusty Hill, Dusty Equestrian Hill. He says, do you believe this? And he was commenting on an article from IGN, Uncharted movie release date pushed up to July 2021. It had moved from November 2021 to July 2021. Chad, what the hell is going on? Do you believe this? Nope. I don't believe this for a minute. (laughs) First of all, I still don't believe this movie's ever coming out. And I know they probably went to film it for like two days before everything got shut down. But no, I don't think this is ever coming out. I think they're just playing around with movie dates right now because with everything getting delayed and production and all these things getting delayed, they're just like, well, fuck, how do we rearrange everything we've got on the schedule for the next two years? And now they're just kind of like picking things up and moving around like, oh, this looks like a good sequence without thinking about, like, can we actually make that happen? So as as production slowly ramps back up for things over the next six months... I think we'll see a lot of these release dates get changed again. They delayed so many of them, though. I think this is the only one they moved up. They must have some sort of confidence in it. Because it would be very strange for them to be like, all right, for right now, move it to an earlier date. But we know we're actually going to push it to 2022. I feel like that would be an odd but remember, if they knew they are going to go in the other direction at some point. This was delayed. This has already been delayed. Like, this was delayed to yeah. November 2021, and now they're saying, oh, well, maybe it won't be that far. So they're like, 
oh, we we jumped the gun a little bit. We delayed it too much. We're bringing it back a little bit more to July. Again, still don't think it's going to happen. Well, do you know what is going to happen? Barbara Bush video game? Our dream, yep, our dream Barbara Bush video game at Nerds at Large Gaming just asked us in our Twitch chat, what's your dream Barbara Bush game? I actually have an idea for this now, but Chad, do you have you considered I it want all it to just be the driving portions of GTA, and I want you to be able to run people <laughs> over nonstop as Barbara Bush. And then the cops come, they pull you over, and they say, oh, we're so sorry, Mrs. Bush, and they let you go. I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. I want a video game version of Risk where you can only play as Barbara Bush and take over the world. Okay. Okay. That's that's what the Barbara Bush game is going to be, 100%. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Big old tyrannical Barbara Bush just taking over the world. Oh, no, no, no. She can do it with love, but she will take over the whole world. All How of old it. is Barbara Bush? Is she dead? I think she's passed away now, yeah. Let's see. Let's look up Barbara Bush. Let's go ask Jeeves. Hey, Siri. How old is Barbara Bush? She's four! She died April 17th, 2018, at the age of 92. Aw. This would be a good memorial for her. Yeah. Just for she That's wanted it. it. The Respawn Aim Fire video game podcast. That's exactly <laughs> it. Let's move on to Game on Game Show. The Game on our Game Show where we play a game called Game on Game, game Show. Game, 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 game. Holden, this week, video game Would You Rather is back. Yeah. <laughs> I've got three would-you-rathers that are all video game related, and we're just going to talk about them. Uh, they range from regular to wacky, and we'll see uh, what our responses are. The first one, Holden, would you rather design levels and puzzles or design combat in video games? This one's a real, a real nice one. I, was, I just saw something on my screen distracted me. You need to say that one more time. Would you rather design levels and puzzles (laughs) in video games or design combat in video games? I don't know. That's tough. I want to do both. I want to make a combat game that has puzzles in it like Zelda. You can't. I got to choose one. Yeah. Nobody goes to to a video game company and says, hi, I am a video game designer. No. You are your combat designer, your level designer, your quest designer, your writer. Like, You got to pick one, man. Unless you you make levels and puzzles. Um, or do you want to, yeah, unless you Toby Fox it, but that's not an option for this. I I feel like for longevity and making a career, I think puzzles would be more fun because combat systems, I think have more in common with each other per like game, you know, comparing different games to each other than puzzles would. I think you'd have Hmm. more, a a greater variety of things you're designing. If you're making a puzzle, if you're making puzzles, I love, like, combat is some of my favorite parts of most games. Combat and story. And then level design and puzzles is usually, like, an afterthought for me about whether or not that contributed to the game. Unless it's, like, the puzzles are so complicated and stupid that I hate the game. Um, so combat's an easy answer for me. However, if I were to design the puzzles, if I were to design the levels, then that's guaranteeing that I would like them. And they wouldn't be too difficult and they wouldn't be stupid. 
And that means I get to create a game that I have the opportunity to love every aspect to. Because combat usually is fine. It's puzzles where things are shitty. But I'm going to stick with combat because that's what I find more fun anyway. <laughs> Number two. Would you rather have to put on a full tanuki suit in order to fly or you have to put on a Zora mask and transform in order to be able to instantly play the bass? <laughs> I want to wear the tanuki suit to fly because it's way cooler than playing the bass. That's what I thought at first too, Holden. But have you considered the fact <laughs> that when you're in the tanuki suit and you are a flying person in a tanuki suit, you bring a lot of attention to yourself? There are a lot of people in this world that want to fly. There will be drug kingpins. There will be cartel people. There will be mob bosses that say, hey, you saw that guy in the suit over there on TV? Go take his suit for me. And he just hires a bunch of goons, and you are then hunted for your tanuki suit. People are trying to hunt you down and kill you to take your tanuki suit for the chance to fly. And they don't bat an eyelash at making it happen. But... The Zora mask and transforming to be able to instantly play bass. Like, it's really cool. You can make a living at bass, but nobody's like, oh my God, I can't play bass. They can learn to play the bass. You can't learn to fly. So, not to mention, you're a Zora and you get boomerang arm fins and you can swim really, really well. Like, you can Michael Phelps it at the Olympics. I'm going to go the Zora mask because I value my life. I'm not as worried about the mob bosses and stuff coming after me. It's like, how often is like the story of Spider-Man? Like, oh, there's a guy swinging with a spider suit. Give me that suit and kill Spider-Man. doesn't happen. There are so many people saying, go kill Spider-Man. <laughs> They're saying, go kill Spider-Man because he's a hero and he's getting in the way of the bad guys doing their things. But if you're just like, yeah, I'm going to wear this Tanuki suit and fly to work. I don't think a mob boss is going to be like, stop him from flying to work. You are very, very forgiving of people, and you don't think the worst of them, and that ignorance is bliss. The other part of it, you would look like Max from where the wild things are all the time, going to work, doing everything you need to do, and then you get to fly home. Like, come on. How do you, you launder this thing where too, the wild though? things are? Like, do you bring this to the dry cleaners, and then you got to risk them stealing it from you? Because there's always the, the opportunity that things don't come back from the dry cleaners. Well, you can buy a steam washer. You can do that, and it basically does what a uh, the the kind of dry air, air dryer, whatever they are, laundry mat things have. And then it'd be worth it, like to fly. Like, I don't need a car anymore, so I can just fly. So, like, rather than getting a car, I'll buy one of those steam cleaners, and then I'm set. All right, and I can do like, and like you said, I can learn the base. If I really cared about it, I could spend the time and learn the base. But I'll never be able to learn how to fly. But this suit will let me do it. And when I learn how to play the bass, I don't have to wear some stupid Zora mask to like do that. <laughs> be a Zora. I'm not willing to take that risk. I'm going to keep my mask. Final question. <laughs> Would you rather watch a feature-length 90-minute Super Mario porno or watch a feature-length 90-minute Animal Crossing porno? Discuss. First of all, ninety-minute-long single porn video is excessive. Uh -huh. That's uh huh. That's excessive, <laughs> which means that in that kind of there's gonna be a lot of story, probably. And which one's gonna have the That's funniest the story? 
I think the Animal Crossing one would have the funniest story. Mario would be weird to be like, oh, you bopped on my head. I guess I gotta fuck you now. Like, it'd be weird. But there are lots Animal of friendly Crossing characters would be like, to fuck. <laughs> like Princess Peach, <laughs> Princess Toadstool. They're the same person. Princess Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> but like Animal Crossing, like I think about moments in the game where like a villager is walking by me while I catch a fish and they clapped for me because they caught the fish. But like, what if in the porno version, like congratulations on, on catching that fish, come back to my house and or right <laughs> on the beach or right on the beach. Yes. Just do the thing there. There could be some really, really funny opportunities for animal crossing porn. Absolutely. My thought, I'm also going to go animal crossing porno. And my thought is that, 90 minutes is a long time. Animal Crossing has the potential for, what, hundreds of characters in it? There are so many people that could wander into you banging on the beach or banging in your orchard or wherever it is and just join in on the fun, swap out with other people. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of variety in there to keep your attention for 90 the, minutes. The deserted island theme also adds another element that makes it yes. more interesting than, like, Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> and it all starts with a turnip Guess trade. Absolutely. You can come to my That's, island uh, and sell your turnips here for a good fuck session. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty much in unanimous agreement. Yeah. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is the way 100%. to go. Yep. I would have liked the game All if right. it had more porn in it. That's it for Game on Game Show, and that's <laughs> it for our episode this week. Remember, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire if you'd like to vote on the tiebreaker for what our barf episode is, or for what our barf game is next month. However, you don't have to be a patron to play Yoshi's Island with us before Friday, May 1st, to submit your thoughts. We've already got them from Alex. Holden and I have not played the game, so we're going to play it this week. You can also finish it in a week. I just burped a little and threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, nice. And then there was other. Oh yeah, go to go to our YouTube channels. Subscribe to us. Get us to a hundred so that we can get our things. And then I don't give a fuck what you do after that. Thank you all for listening. Uh, until next week. Here's our usual sign off. Taco Bell is dope, man. <laughs>